Oh, yes, you're going <laughs> to you're going to have another in- a session of me to endure. If you want, that's if you listen to it. Who knows? Yes, I was taking a little nap. It's always nice to take naps. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me, and escape, you know, escape just mortal existence and go into your mind and think about things and, you know, work on problems, enjoy, reminisce of, you know, things of your past that were good and all that stuff. Um, so I, I am one who says, if you have the time and you feel tired, take a little nap and take a journey through your mind and go through your past, the good parts of your past, people who influenced you for good, all that kind of stuff. Oh, uh, I didn't get a very long nap because my daughter called me. Um, and I only met this woman once, but she was so freaking good. She made an impression on me from one meeting. I've only seen her one time, and I didn't even talk to her for probably three to five minutes. That was it. Asking her where my daughter was. From, well, she was new. So when I walked into the airport, she was a new hire, so I'd never met her before. So I walked up to the counter, and she's an extroverted. You know, she's an extrovert. She's a people person. I am not, if you haven't figured that out yet. So she was, you know, bubbly and friendly and too much, is what I told my daughter. She's, I like her, but she's too much. And she said, oh, hi. How can, is, how can I help you and all this? And I'm thinking, you can help me by giving me a straight raise if I can slit my freaking carotid artery. You're too much. And yeah, she's blonde. I didn't want to have to say that, but well, if I'm going to give you the facts, I've got to be comprehensive. Um, she's tall. Um, she's physically in good shape. She must work out or something. So she's, I mean, she's not freaking sporting, you know, sculpted biceps. And she doesn't have a tattoo of a ship on her chest. But she must exercise and take care of herself. And she's probably late 50s, but... Um, from the two or three minutes, maybe five at the most, of talking to her, I instantly liked her. You could tell she's just a very good person, um, high morality, you know, very moral, very honest. Just a very good person. Well, they fired her today. Yeah, my daughter was upset because this is a good woman, and she got fired because people working with her who are substandard in their job performance and have multiple multiple complaints from uh, passengers and people who have dealt with them at the front desk, you know, when the plane lands and they come in. Um, I am convinced that, the, and they complained about her, and that's what got her fired. I am convinced they moved against her because they were intimidated by her um, and they were threatened by her. Because their job performance and their conduct is substandard to her. Um, she's very, she's just very responsible person. She takes her job seriously and she does very well at it. And I think the contrast between her performance and their performance was such that they felt threatened and they combined against her. So you have this one woman. And you have roughly three to four people who are complaining to upper level people about her, people who have been there longer, um, who have had complaints against themselves and several, one person, quite a few complaints. Um, and management decides that she, she has to go. So they let her go. They fire her. And that, that's pretty common in workplaces. 
It really is. The thing is, if you if you yawn and then you take a good look at it, you know, you analyze it, you'll it follows a it actually follows a, a very common sequence. You know, it's a very common occurrence, and that is substandard people are intimidated by people who perform. So people whose standards are above other people, if there's a group of people and one person, their standards are superior or greater than the other people, the other people, because their standards are low, will uh, collude against the person with higher standards because they're not comfortable with them um, because they don't have low standards. They're not comfortable with them. Um, and, and what ends up happening is they'll work against that person. Even if it, even if it means lying about them, misrepresenting them, they don't, that's, that's fine. That's on the board. You know, They're on the table, as they say. Because it doesn't matter if you have to lie about them. Because the perceived threat and impact that this person has on them by them not measuring up causes them to feel justified to take action against the person. You see this in friendships. You see this in association. I've seen it in marriages, too. You see it in every um, relationship or organization. Uh, you'll see that. If everybody is pretty much on the same level, smooth sailing. Uh, I can't believe I'm yawning again. I guess a nap doesn't really help me. It's smooth sailing if they all are equally worthless. <laughs> As the sergeant says, and the sergeant Hartman says, and Full Metal Jacket, uh, you are all equally worthless. If they're all equally worthless, then there's continuity there. Um, but let one person um, change their behavior to try to improve themselves, and it's crabs in the in the pot. They try to pull them back down. If the person cannot be pulled down they will combine against that person. They'll isolate the person. Um, they'll punish them for trying to be a better person. That is, uh, I, I hope you guys are aware of it. If you guys aren't aware of this, I don't know what the hell I'm going to say. It's the truth. I mean, if you haven't seen this in your life, you've been living somewhere in the woods, being raised by wolves, because this is very commonplace, commonplace in families, commonplace in friendships, commonplace in marriage, commonplace at work, government, freaking fraternities, sororities, I don't care, at church. It's really bad at church. Um, you have, this is, uh, you know, it's, it's something that exists in all areas of life. The classic case of, you know, Cain and Abel. You know, Abel was doing what he was supposed to be doing, and Cain wasn't. Cain was, and, uh, Abel's being blessed by God. Uh, Cain isn't being blessed by God because he's not keeping the commandments. God favors Abel because Abel is doing what he's supposed to be doing. Cain gets jealous, kills Abel, and, you know, the rest is history. Um, Isaac and Esau. I mean... Wherever there is a relationship, that where there is inequality in the relationship, this occurs. And it's never the person above going after the person beneath, because that doesn't make sense. If you're superior or you're better, or whatever it is that makes you stand out, 
you're not those people those are the kind of people who don't waste their time doing this petty bs it's people who feel inferior you know though they are the people that do this kind of a thing um and you know like i knew these two women who were supposed to be best friends forever uh bff had a different meaning for me but anyway um they were both single and they were both, you know, like they stuck to each other like freaking Siamese twins because they're insecure. You know, they're a little bit chunky. Um, you know, they're in their thirties, they were divorced and they were out, you know, run, I call it running the circuit looking for husband number two. Um, well, a few other things, but the thing is, is they always went together and did things together. I mean, it was, it was all to me, it's too much. Anybody freaking, glues themselves to me, I get the glue remover because I don't, I'm not someone who likes someone who clings. I'm not, one of, I'm, I'm someone who doesn't like people who cling. Well, anyway, they meet a couple guys, you know, they date and, you know, of course they get laid, like, you know, that's part of the plan anyway, but, but eventually one of them meets a guy who's really a good guy who just doesn't want to, you know, take her out, get her drunk and screw her. He actually wants a relationship with her. And at first, the other one was, you know, when I heard about it, I could see what was going to happen. It was so obvious the way, well, the way the one that had the boyfriend was acting, she was real happy. The way the other one was acting was, you know, the false, oh, yeah, isn't it great? Yeah, I hope it works out. And all this, I'm seeing, no, I, and I can see in her face. I'm thinking, no, you, you hope it doesn't work out. And you're going to freaking try to screw it up. And I wouldn't be surprised if you hit on her boyfriend trying to take him down so you can tell your girlfriend that he hit on I could see everything in her face, what was going on. So I said, so to the cloak, I said, well, we'll just have to see what happens. Maybe it works out. You know, you never know. I played neutral so the one who was jealous wouldn't realize I was going to help the one that found the boyfriend. Yeah. Because what happened? Well, what do you think happened? They went, the girls were together when the other girl was able to find a guy because one girl already had a guy. So she didn't have to go looking for guys anymore. But the other one will say number one had a guy and number two didn't. So when number two had a guy to go out with, sometimes number one was available and would go out with her, with her friend, uh, her boyfriend. But when number two didn't have a man with her, number one didn't get well at first she did a couple of times she said but he said this didn't work out it was too awkward so she stopped going out with her friend unless her friend had a guy with her so all of a sudden she's choosing this man over her best friend who was like i said a freaking siamese twin they both of them were clingy until she found a man and when she found a man she made the break for the relationship and it caused a lot of problems. So when, <laughs> yes, I am a destroyer of women sometimes. Number one was telling me that she could tell that something was different with number two. So this is me. If I'm real close to you, I'll, I will freaking make sure you know what's going on. So I said, oh, really? You mean like um, you've got a guy and she doesn't and now you guys don't do much together and you think that maybe she's jealous and probably doing trying to do something to screw up your relationship. She goes, yes. I'm like, <laughs> so I said, really? Yeah, I, ha I have to play my part. You understand?
And she said, yes, it's crazy. Something's changed. I said, nothing's really changed. I said, you're competition. Don't you get it? I said, you guys were like lesbians. You were so close. I was wondering about you two. Um, I said, I was thrilled when you found a man. <laughs> I really I did say that to her because I was wondering, you know, what the hell? Well, these two are just too damn close. I mean, even sitting so close to each other, you know, they sit down, their freaking rear end spread out and touched. They were just too close, too close for me. So I helped her understand that, no, you're wrong. This doesn't just happen. This happened the moment you found somebody. I told her, I said, um, remember when when I was with you guys and, and he was with you and you were talking about how, you know, you, you, you found him or something. I can't remember how she said it, but. I think I found him. I found who I want to be with or some, something like that. I can't remember exact term terminology, but, but basically she was saying, I think I found somebody I want to be with. And he, he seemed like a good guy. And he was really into this woman. He was like freaking, you know, salivating. That's good. If you're a woman and the man's crazier about you than you are him, that's a good chemistry. So I, when I saw him and her, I thought, yeah, these two are great. They're, they're, they're going to make it. These two are going to make it work. That's what I felt. Um, but I could see her friend's jealousy. So I tried to tell her. I said, your friend is jealous. And your life is going off to where you both wanted your life to go. And hers isn't. I said, you need to be careful. Because she's no longer the friend you had when you both were single and looking for a man. When you both were looking for a man. She's not that person to you anymore. She's jealous and she feels kind of left out, you know, because now that you have him, you're doing things with him without her. And I, I said, I'm sure that hurts her feelings. But I said, you know, an intimate relationship trumps a friendship in the sense that if you are a woman looking for a man and you find the man you want to be with and he wants to be with you, that's the relationship that comes before the friendship. Now, you don't betray, you know, and things like that. You don't throw it to the freaking pile. But the relationship with him has to have precedence because you need to be working on that relationship to make sure it's strong. And so you stay there for each other. If you start, you know, like even if you're if you're dating him, it's getting serious and, you know, talking marriage and stuff. And then you you're going out with other guys so you can be with her. That relationship's going to die. Um, if I was really into a woman and dating her and, and was thinking about marrying her, and we're making plans and she wants to freaking date other dudes, forget about it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very, very liberal. If you want to do that, fine. Go, go establish some relationship with somebody else. But you know what? I won't be here. There's no way in hell I'd be in a relationship like that. If we're together and... I'm crazy about you, and you're supposedly crazy about me, and we're talking marriage. But you want to go out with other guys to support your friend? Um, no. No. No hard feelings either, because my feelings aren't hurt. My feelings are, you're an individual. You get to make your choices. But you don't get to choose the consequences and how it's going to affect me and the choices that I'm going to make. So my thing is, yeah, you, you're not married to me. You don't have any... Um, marital um, obligations to me. So if you want to date other guys and go out with her, yeah, go ahead and do it. But I won't be part of this relationship anymore. 
Because it doesn't make sense. If we're working toward marriage, why the hell would it make sense that you would date people to support your friend? That's not even, but I know people have done that. Yeah. Um, and some men, they endure it and they make the best of it. I am not one who does that. I will not do that. I would never do that. My feeling is I release you and you go and do what you want to do, but I'm moving on without you. And there's no hurt feelings and no crying in the pillow or anything like that. I look at it very logically. Um, you're making choices for your life that you want to make, and they don't fit into the choices that I'm making in my life, and they certainly don't fit into the choices that we were making for each other's life. Um, because that type of behavior is something that um, just was not, it's not something that you would choose to do if you're working on a relationship with somebody you're talking about marrying. That's just something you do not do. That's what an idiot does. And who wants to marry an idiot? Um, but I've known, unfortunately, I've known some men who endured it. And I knew, I've known some women, women rather, that who endured during the dating process. That, oh, I love you and I want you. I want to marry you. And all of a sudden, anybody's dating other women? You know, like I told a friend of mine who was living through that, it was killing her. He wanted to date other women. I said, well, why aren't you dating other men? She said, because I'm waiting for him. And I said, why? And she said, because he wants to marry me. I said, he wants to marry you so bad he's dating other women? He said, well, you know, he, he said we're not married yet. And I, and I couldn't believe it. I thought, what do I have to do to get through to you? And I said, well, okay, <laughs> let's do George logic here. You love him, right? And she said, yes. And I said, and he supposedly loves you so much, he wants to marry you, right? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, explain to me why he's dating other women. And she said, well, because we aren't married. And I said, really? Because you're not married, he's dating other women, but he wants to marry you. And she said, well, that's what he said. I said, he's lying to you. He, he may want to marry you, but he's, he's, he's not closing the deal because there might be somebody better than you. So he wants to be sure that there's nobody else better than you before he marries you. And her freaking started crying. Her mascara was running. It was a mess. Um, started crying and stuff. I said, I'm, I'm trying, not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to keep you from being crushed. When he, if he finds somebody he thinks is better than you, and all of a sudden he doesn't want to marry you. Well, she didn't get married to him. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much I had to do with it, but she could tell he had changed. He had found somebody he was more interested in. Now, I don't know if they got married, but he was more interested in this other woman. And because he was more interested with her, he spent more time with her and he wasn't as affectionate with the first woman. And he didn't, you know, return calls. And, you know, he was, I guess you call it ghosting. But anyways, he... He, I basically told her, I said, don't respond to his, his texts. I said, you still text him? She said, yeah, I, stopped. I said, stop texting him. You've already texted him. You've left messages. He hasn't called you. But I said, he's moved on. Let him go while he's gone. Because if you keep calling him, texting him, if things don't work out with that woman, where do you think he's going to? I said, if things don't work out with her, what do you think he's going to do? And she said, I don't know. And I thought, damn, you really are dumb. 
I didn't tell her I thought she was dumb, but I was thinking, you are a freaking idiot. I said, he's going to come back to you. Well, I wish he would. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what the hell? I said, no, you don't, because what he's saying is, is you're only good enough, as, you know, when he doesn't have anybody. That, I think, was the wake-up call. I said, that, that's why if he, you know, he's away now, he doesn't return calls, doesn't return your texts. Um, if things don't work out with her and he comes back, it's only because it didn't work out with her. It's not because he really wants to be with you or or maybe he marries you because he just wants to have sex. A lot of men do that stuff. They figure, you know, if a woman really wants them, they feel like they can manipulate her. Yeah, I'll just marry her and have sex with her and then I'll just live my life in the hell with her. Well, they didn't get married. Um, she didn't. I think that was a lot. I think the realization that when she finally caught on that, yes, that's the only reason he would come back because he didn't have somebody. Boom, that did it. Um, the thing I'm trying to say is this. If you know that you are better than the people, and I, I say better, I'm talking about better in your morality, better in your honesty, you're a better person. If the people in your life are a little bit less than you or a little bit more, that, that's workable. Those situations are workable. But if you are involved with people who are substantially below you, lesser than you, they're not going to work with you. They're going to work against you because you're competition. You're a reminder of what they're not. You're an annoyance because you're uh, most of the time people who are superior to other people, they have their shit, stuff together, their life together. Um, life is more fulfilling and more enjoyable and more, you know, it's just life is wonderful for them. Oh, they have BS they have to deal with and disappointments and all that kind of stuff. But they're really usually happy people. They're uh, peaceful people. Um, they have good friends. Um, they have a routine in life. So life is pretty good for them. People who are substantially inferior to what I would say would be the average person, different. Their life is stressful. Their life's up and down, sideways. Um, they don't know what's going to happen in five minutes. You know, They don't have any real plans. They're living life moment to moment, and they're very unhappy and unfulfilled, and they feel like, they feel like their life's going nowhere. Those people cannot be your real friend. They can't. If you're superior to those people substantially above those people in your quality of your life, they cannot be your friend because they can't. They're jealous. They're envious. They're bitter. And they see you and they think of you as one of those people who just had everything was made for them. Everything was given them. And while they have to scrimp and save and suffer, you don't. And that becomes enmity in time, enmity, meaning hatred for you. Yeah. Um, I did a uh, broadcast podcast shoot probably two years ago, a year and a half ago, whatever. Um, it was called why people betray the four stages of betrayal. And I talked about those four stages. That's what happens with people who are substantially lower or less than us who are higher if there is a distinct division between where you're at in life and where they're at in life, um, and you become their friend, first they admire you, then they envy you, then they convince themselves that you betrayed them in the four stages they betray you. Um, 
I've seen this movie play so many times. I mean, just some, and the good people get betrayed because they don't betray. They don't see, unless you're aware of what I just told you, um, they don't see it coming. And they're shocked when they're betrayed because they say to themselves, what did I ever do? I was a friend of them. I didn't, you know, everything I did was good. I really cared about all that. It doesn't matter if you loved them and cared about them and did things, but none of that matters because in their minds, it went from admiring you and looking up to you to envying you and in some cases blaming their condition on you. Um, Then it goes into believing that you're not really their friend, you know, that you're betraying them. They just aren't aware of it, but they can tell. They'll scenarioize this in their brains. And then because they feel like you betrayed them, they will betray you. And even if they discover after the fact that you had never betrayed them, they'll still say, well, I know they did. And I've had people tell me that I know they betrayed me. So where's the evidence? I feel, I can tell. I said, really? <laughs> wow, what a crystal ball you must possess. But they, they, can, they get convinced because the truth of the matter is they don't really believe they did anything wrong. It was you. You looked down on me. You thought you were better than me. You flaunted your wealth. Or you flaunted whatever it is they find to envy about you. That is their weapon against you and justification for what they did to you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really a sad state of affairs because it's so stupid. It really, in essence, that's what it is. Okay, so what is the lesson to be learned here? What did we learn? We learned that inequalities at a certain point are impossible to reconcile in a friendship or any relationship. Um, we learned that birds of a feather is a reality. We learned that there are four stages of betrayal, and when the inequality in the relationship is substantial, that's what always occurs at some point in the, in the relationship. There is a betrayal on behalf of the person at a lower station. That's it. So what can we do? We can be wise in our associations, in our friendships, in our intimate relationships. Whatever, the rela- whatever level the relationship is on, we need to be careful with who we're getting involved with. That's no, that's numero uno, as they say, number one, or numa eins, first thing. Two, we have to accept the fact that there are some very good people who may be on a lower level, it appears, but their hearts are good. They're very good people. Those relationships are workable. As long as you keep in mind and you reinforce to them um, that you you don't feel like <clears throat> you don't feel you're above them, you know. Um, and they can tell people can feel when you really care about them or you really love them, or you're really concerned about. Them, they can feel that stuff. Empty words trying to convince somebody, or that's not going to do it. If you really don't love them or care about them or what happens to them or concerned about them, I don't care how many freaking words you use on them, your actions are going to betray you. Keep that in mind. Oh, and if you think you're still freaking good, you can get by on it. Well, go ahead and try. And let's see how that works out for you. Um, It may have a a very temporary, um, you know, effective effectiveness, but it will not be a permanent thing. Yeah. Um, 
And maybe if you are superior, you'll grow tired of the fact that they never seem to improve. Yeah, you're going to have to make your own decisions on that. I do not waste time on stuff like that. Um, when I come to that realization, I take action instantly. When I say instantly, it could be nine months, could be two months, could be a day. Instantly with me does not denote the time frame I do it in. I'm an event-driven person. So when I say immediately, in this particular circumstance, maybe nine months is the appropriate immediately for me. Maybe it's two days. Who knows what it is? But it's always an individualized um, approach. I never, I don't, I don't have a blueprint or a, a template. I don't have a template that I bring out and lay it on top of somebody. Everything I do with everybody is individual to the person. Yeah. Okay, that's it. What the hell? I'm going to see what time. Wow, almost 30 minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm almost proud of myself. All right, good luck. That's all I can say. Bye.